I'm Chief Cheryl Victorian. This is Waco PD on the beat. Whether it's crime or just getting to know the Waco Police Department, we're here to talk about things that matter most to you. Hello Waco and welcome to Waco PD on the beat. I'm Sierra Shipley, the Public Information Officer for the Waco Police Department. And I'm Officer Janae Draper with the Neighborhood Engagement Team. With Vince Erickson, the Director of Community Division and... I forget the rest. I'll tell you, I'll, I will give that to you. <laughs> and Waco, said. it is a pleasure to be here with Sierra and JD. Uh, my title is uh, Division Director for Community and Governmental Relations okay, for the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network, formerly known as the Heart of Texas Region MHMR Center. Many people right. know us as MHMR. We mm-hmm. have um, we rebranded almost a year ago. And we want folks to know that we are the, again, the same accessible, caring, and responsive support services that we always had through MHMR. But we are now BHN. So let's save it for BHN. BHN. You got a little chant there. I like That's it. Sad. You like rehearsed it. that just a little bit. I feel uh, like yes. just, 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 just a, a, just a tad. And, and I might have even woken up in my sleep doing I that. I had the you fist know? pump going. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, that's one thing uh, that we I want to talk about and we'll get into. But first, before we get into that, let's talk a little about you, Vince. Just uh, how you got into this role. Uh, you and I have actually worked together in the past before. So this isn't, this isn't really anything new, I feel. No, it's like, it's like we picked up where we left <laughs> off exactly. when we were at one of the local uh, TV stations working in the overnight morning shift. And now we're not tired all the time, no, are we? No, absolutely not. No, no we not are. at she all. She still looks a little tired yeah. sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but does she act like it? <laughs> no, she's got, she's got energy. She's, she's got energy, man. And JD, and so, do, and so do you. And, you know, we have a reason to have energy, a lot to be excited about. I'd be happy to tell you a little bit about it. My yeah. background, again, is in communications. It's not in mental health. It's not in psychology, not in casework. Uh, it is in communications. I spent uh, th- parts of 35 years and still do in the, uh, in the sports casting arena and in the newscasting arena. But really, if you look at it, I'm here to tell stories. More than anything, just telling the story of the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network, what we do, uh, what we're for, who we serve, and some things that may, maybe the folks just didn't know. But my, uh, my time coming aboard was in May of 2020 as the project manager for the Texans Recovering Together Crisis Counseling Program, which was a federally funded temporary program to provide free, anonymous, and confidential mental health support for anybody in our six-county catchment area that was affected directly or indirectly by the COVID-19 pandemic. And then, as the grant grew later, uh, into the Texas 2021 Texas winter storm. What we were is it was non-traditional mental health support services. It wasn't traditional intake. You didn't come in. We went out in the community. Mm-hmm. It's much like it is disaster counseling and okay. support is what right. it is. Like if you had a tornado you, you, you know, or you had a, uh, a hurricane or something like that, you would have tents set up to help people get recovered from that so that they wouldn't have to access the emergency rooms. Right. They wouldn't flood the, the, uh, the mental and behavioral health systems and really act as a safety net to keep people, you know, they don't need, they, they just need some support sometimes. And if they needed something much more intense, uh, we could then refer them to community supports already there in the community and in the community of Waco or in our six-county area, the different supports that are in each in each of our counties. It was a temporary program that ended in January of 2022. Okay. 
for about six months before that, I was transitioning into this role, the Division Director for Community and Governmental Relations. It is a new uh, role here at the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network. Basically, I am the I direct the uh, and serve public information. We serve grants and endowments. We serve the interns and volunteers, and then um, also market the community trainings that go on that we do. We want to make sure that our, our populace knows about mental health. And right now, mental health is, it's, it's uh, I don't want to say it's blown up, but it really has come to the forefront. Absolutely. And yeah. COVID certainly did that. You had so many different people affected in so many different ways. And when there's stresses like those that happen, for instance, there are some people that didn't leave their house for a year. They, and, they and there's some people who are still apprehensive at that as well. And are and that that can play upon mental faculties, and you just need someone to be supportive for that. Well, that's what our staff did, and we were able to uh, to help with what we called our primary services, which was uh, encounters for less than 15 minutes, individual or family encounters for longer than 15 minutes or group and public education encounters so that we can help people help themselves recover. We were, uh, we were designated by the states. Our target number was just under 9,000. We were able to provide over 37,000 primary support services during the almost, uh, during the, I guess it would be about 20 months of the grant. Now, again, the grant was from the, from FEMA. You know, Federal Emergency Management Agency, and of course, SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, uh, through them and the state being a pass-through entity to 20, to 20 local providers. We were the local provider for Waco, McLennan County, as well as Bosque Falls, uh, Limestone, Freestone, and uh, Hill Counties as well. So that was a, it was a, a successful program because of the staff that we had, able to help people get from point A to point B so that they didn't have to access all those different systems that would get overloaded. And really, if you look at it, if that's the case, then then law enforcement is not having to go out on calls where folks are helping get recovered. So we like to think that we've benefited the community, our law enforcement, the different supports there in the community, and the emergency departments and not having to be any more overloaded than they already were. That's a huge help. So this particular role right now is basically the public relations, the marketing, and the storytelling. Sierra, you you've been a storyteller for a long time, and JD, I know that um, that you you get to be alongside her with this. And there's a yeah. saying that we we have in the storytelling business: "Give me some facts, I'm yours for a moment. I may be yours for an hour. Tell me a story, and I'm yours for a lifetime." Interesting. That's very true. That's what? that's what we are here for because a lot of again, there's there's different. There's different, let's, let's just say it, there's, a, there's still a stigma surrounding mental health, Absolutely. behavioral health, and we want to help bridge that. Uh, and, and particularly with, with, uh, with the populations, we want to make sure that we are accessible and caring and responsive to all different populations, especially the more vulnerable populations, because that makes for a safer community. And that's really what this is all about, is mm-hmm. it not? I think we can all agree yeah. we want to have a good, a safe, and an informed community. And your local mental health authority, that's, a, that's an acronym. I know you have languages with your acronyms. <laughs> we have ours. <laughs> local Mental Health Authority is LMHA. And we are also the local IDD, Intellectual and Developmental Disability 
authority. Uh, and that's called a LIDA, L-I-D-D-A, for okay. our six-county area. So that is what my responsibilities are. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that a is lot. quite a lot. <laughs> that is a list, and but that's very helpful, though. Absolutely. I think, you know, one thing that you said is that the mental health, it has this stigma, right? And I, I think it is really great that we are able to talk about it more. It's becoming, I don't know if more accepted is the right term, but there, there was just this you know, no one ever talked about it. No one ever talked about if they had, uh, you know, an issue that they needed to deal with, had some mental health problems, and because it was almost looked down upon, like you're broken or, you know, oh, just do this and change. Like, don't don't feel that way. You know, it's not that easy. So I think that's great to know that you guys are there to help bridge that gap. And that's a very important part. And again, I'm not a clinician. I can't, uh, I, I, I have to obey what my purview is. But in talking with, the, with our clinicians and our clinical people, again, it's a matter of being able to be okay, not being okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I believe that COVID really brought that out because and it, it, COVID really did bring it out. Being okay, not being okay, and then knowing that there is help out there available to the very best of what we can do. We want people to know that we are the local mental health authority and the local IDD authority. And what that means is that we are the and a, we are a governmental entity, um, which means we are the gateway to state-funded mm-hmm. mental mental and behavioral health and IDD services. Right. So. We have the processes in place to be able to do the, di- the different intakes for, for, for our consumers that come in. But we also want to make sure that we're living our mission. Yeah. And the mission is very simply, we, are, we want to be able to provide, we strive to provide accessible, caring, and responsive support services for families and individuals coping with mental illness, substance use, intellectual disabilities, de- developmental delays, and emotional conflict. And again, that's the great thing about what we do. That covers all their different populations. And there are different populations that have different beliefs, and we want to be culturally sensitive to that. And again, it's okay to not be okay because those things take time. But we want to bridge that gap and build the trust with the community to know that we are here and we will give our very best to live our mission, which is to do exactly that. That's great about having you on here, too, is just kind of just inform, you know, the community and stuff that, that you are, you know, an asset out there to be utilized. And it helps, you know, the law enforcement community as well, because it educates us to know that you're also an asset. So, you know, because a lot of people call us because they don't know who to call in those type of situations. So, you know, having you on here and kind of explaining that and help people understand, it helps us understand and explain to people when we go out there on calls, because, you know, mental health calls are a large number of what we deal with now out on the street so it's it's very very beneficial right and, so. and it just grows and I think this is a really important topic right now you know I say that we pre-record these episodes so by the time you guys are hearing this it's about mid-January but we just got through the holidays some of the most stressful time of year it's the new year now we got new year's goals or pressure to have some type of goal and wondering if you're going to even be able to meet that and I think that plays a lot into mental health as well well and mental health there is a difference between mental health and mental illness. And this is something that we like to be able to educate the community on. Mental health is not necessarily a mental illness. You can have poor mental health 
and still not be diagnosed with a mental illness. Diagnosed mental illnesses are things like depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, um, things things as such. Mm -hmm. As such, you can have a mental illness or a mental condition and still have periods of relative mental health. However, poor mental health and being, again, of having what was exacerbated sometimes during COVID can lead to physical ailments, increase the risk of diabetes. Poor mental health increases the risk of heart disease and stroke. That's about, I think somewhere in the neighborhood, about three and a half out of five dollars spent in healthcare. So you want to maintain your mental health, but a mental illness is is a whole different type of thing. And our clinicians can speak much more detailed about that. Sure. But... One of the things about having that education in the community is programs like what we have. Uh, for instance, one of the programs we have in community education is called Mental Health First Aid. Mental Health First Aid is a way for, you know, again, it's like having a first aid class. Well, this instead of putting Band-Aids and things as such and splints and being able to treat people out, out in the community, this is more for being able to recognize someone who may have some mental some mental things going on and be able to assess that and be that first responder before first responders arrive. Kind of a safety net type of thing. And I wish, one of these times I would love for you to have Chris Gibson, uh, who is our mental health first aid outreach worker. She's a, she's dynamic. Um, She's done wonders with, with our, with our, uh, our program there. It is a three-year certification is what it is. And again, it will it will teach people how to recognize those different signs and be able to do something there before those first responders arrive. And he even has a mascot and his name is Algae, (laughs) A-L-G-E-E. Love the mascot. And Algae is also an acronym. I just forget what Algae is about. Hey, I forget that's, what, that's what Google's for, right? That's that, yeah. yeah, you Let can, you can, you can Google, you can yeah, definitely Google. Google that. Google algae. But <laughs> that's that's one of that's one of the programs, and we partner with different agencies, uh, different agencies to be able to do that. Uh, folks that uh, folks who just would like to take it, we would have to have at least five for a certification. It's a class. We like to call it a certification yeah. because it is good for three years. We also have. Uh, uh, some instructors in our school-based programs because youth mental health first aid is very different than adult mental health first aid, which is different from veterans' mental sure. health first People aid. People go through different yeah. situations, different, different kinds of situations, different lives. And one of the things we are really excited about and we're growing with right now, again, we've, uh, we've got so many exciting things on this, is that we're branching that out to the different populations with mm-hmm. Chris Gibson's uh, leadership with that. And again, she can be, uh, you, can, you can go to our website, hotbhn.org, and go to Mental Health First Aid, and you'll see her contact information there. And um, we would love for people to be able to do that. Again, it'd be great. I know that uh, oftentimes members of law enforcement do take it. That, yeah. that, I can see that being very beneficial Absolutely. just to law enforcement, Absolutely. first responders. Anybody out there. Absolutely. You guys go through, you know, maybe a little bit of like mental health preparedness when you show up to those calls, but there's really nothing that we can do so in depth like BHN Mm -hmm. and those clinicians have that you, because obviously there are other calls that you also have to deal with. And of course, more of, you know, those, those higher priority calls as well. Um, And so I looked up algae uh, and it's no wonder why you couldn't remember this because it is kind of, it's very long. Act uh, or assess risk, listen non-judgmentally, encourage appropriate help, and encourage self-help. 
That is very long. So that's kind of a long acronym yeah. there. And Almost I, as long as your title. <laughs> <laughs> and I took I took the certification two years ago, and you'd think I'd remember it, but again, um, I, I I think I think missed I think Mr. Division Director for Community and Governmental Relations <laughs> needs to have a brush up. You know? <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's okay. That's awesome. Uh, well, well, I mean, you've kind of gone over about you know what. Yeah, Hot BHN really is about, and uh, I, I mean, and you're welcome to give any more any more information that you haven't already. But when did this organization start here in McLennan County? The organization started in 196 I think 1968 is when it started. the oh. the um, The community center system was established with the passage of the Texas Mental Health and Mental Retardation Act of 1965. The purpose of the community center, and we are one of 39 community centers around the state of Texas, we all have a catchment area of different counties. And once again, our catchment area for the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network is McLennan, Bosque Falls, Freestone, Limestone, and Hill counties. So, uh, this allows us to provide services to people with mental disabilities in an effort to allow them to live and work in the community. Now, the Heart of Texas Region MHMR Center was established by local taxing authority in 1968 and is currently sponsored by McLennan, Limestone, Hill, and uh, Bosque counties. Now, we serve oh. that six-county area I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And our services, we provide services under contracts with uh, federal, state, and other entities to individuals with mental illness or a developmental disabilities identified as a prior a priority population. We also serve developmental delayed, uh, developmentally delayed children. That's a that's a good one. Say that one three times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the center was renamed the Heart of Texas Region MHMR Center, doing business as the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network in December of 2021, in a rebranding action approved by the center's board of trustees. The center also earned, and this is something that we're really excited about going yeah. forward, the Texas Certified Community Behavioral Health Clinic, or CCBHC, status. And that was in December of 2021. That is good, I believe, for four years. Wow. And CCBHC is, a, is the new, newer model of behavioral health care. Uh, for what it does is it's designed to help get costs which are high and outcomes which are lower and get those switched to where the costs are lower, but the outcomes are higher. The reimbursement is done more on, for instance, if Vince goes in, if Vince goes in for services and through the different, what, we, what we're able to do with our care coordination units, okay, Vince goes in for services, is Vince getting better over the time that we've seen? Therefore, you have a decreased cost. The consumer, uh, with the structure of the program, has a say in their treatment. Vince would have a say. Now, suppose there are some conditions that I have that Vince has that exacerbate what's going on with the mental condition. For instance, if there's a food scarcity, if there's housing, if there's transportation, we can coordinate with designated collaborative organizations, another acronym or a DCO, <laughs> to be able to help that consumer get that from point A to point B. And this covers our adult behavioral health programs, which include you know, so many different programs across all our six county areas, and our child and adolescent behavioral health programs, which is administered through the, uh, the Claris Center for Families, also known as an acronym of KCF. So yeah. I should have started telling them. I'm going to say there's it's, a it's, lot it's, of acronyms. It's about three pages, and I have maybe a half a page of them memorized. You know? <laughs> 
That's, we're that's there. That, we're getting there. You only started in 2020, so exactly. Yeah. I think I think I have about 20. I have about 22 years to go oh, to exactly. do that. Exactly. There we go. But we're we're going to test you in, in about 22 years to 20. see if you have them all memorized. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'm going to say, "Where are you?" Um, <laughs> no. Now you talk about all these different services, and you talked about you know it, it is hard sometimes to gain access to those services, or people think it's it's too much. I don't have the money for those services, so they maybe don't even reach out at all. But if someone does reach out to you, is that something that, depending on the service, there is a charge for? No, there are. We we are a we are able to see any see anybody, regardless of race, gender, you know, again, non discriminatory at all, and regardless of ability to pay. And with CCBHC, also for place of residence, and this is designed to bear. Anybody can get the help that they need based upon a ba- on, on the availability of the help that there is. We want to make sure that, that, that again, our, our, our mission is to provide those different, to be able to strive to provide those services the very best that we can, regardless of things that are beyond some people's control. Right. Well, speaking of reaching out, I mean, if someone wants to reach out, is the best way to reach out website, phone number? Is there a location or something? Because, I mean, some people may not even know where to where to go or begin like do you have any advice or tips for that on the best way to reach out absolutely lots of different contact information of course our website www.hotbhn.org it is a robust and comprehensive website that is by the way one of my projects is is a renovation of that that will be in the coming months of what we're doing with that to make it even better, even even uh, a, even a greater experience for what people want to do. It is also very mobile friendly. It has different languages that people can access. We want to make sure that, again, our our uh, being as culturally humble and aware as much as possible is very important. We have a very diverse community that has diverse needs, and we want to meet people right where they are. And sometimes. That's, it's okay to not be okay. That's our pledge for what we do. There's also a, uh, our, our, our general phone number at our main center is area code 254-752-3451. On the website, there is contact information for all of our different offices. We have offices, we have over 30, I think 32 or 33 different buildings across our six-county area, and we have office presences in each of our catchment area counties, and those numbers are there. Uh, there's information about those. We also are active on social media. We're on Facebook at HOTBHN, at Heart Attacks and Behavioral Health Network. We're on Instagram at HOTBHN. We're on LinkedIn. We like to say on LinkedIn, mental health is good for business. It is good for business. Billions of dollars are lost each year because of mental, because of poor mental health. Yes. So, and then also on, uh, on Instagram. And one of the things we want to make sure we do is that for, for our younger population, again, for the younger population, mental health is not only, it's not only, it's, there's not as much stigma there, but it's no, almost encouraged yeah. it to be because I think different populations have different understandings of things. We want to be able to meet every population as much as we can. Sierra, you know, we're, we're broadcasters. We like to be able to think that, you know, we want to be able to reach as many people as possible to know that, uh, that we are here for the community. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, do you know how many individuals you guys have served? I can tell you this, thousands. <laughs> wow. 
Thousands, and that's wow. across. And again, adult behavioral health has so many different programs in it. Uh, just for instance, some of the subsidiaries. And I'm going to tell you, uh, maybe this is something that the community didn't know. Did you know that the Heart of Texas Counseling Center on Lyle Avenue is a subsidiary of the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network? I did not. The Veterans One Stop on LaSalle is a subsidiary of the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network. I did not know that either. The Clara Center for Families on Jefferson is the Child and Adolescent Behavioral Programs. We have uh, the the Doby Drop-In Center, which is, uh, again, the Doby Drop-In Center. That's also administered through our uh, through the Clara Center for Families the Chase House for respite for respite youth Chase House the yeah. Chase House is also one of our KCF programs did you know that the early childhood intervention the state program is sponsored by the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network we call yes. it ECI that is the Claris Children's Center on 4th Street but not for long, and that's a tease that, for I'm later on. Say, that's a tease. Yeah, I stay. I mean, it, it never, it never leaves us, does it? No, no. It <laughs> but the, that is for that is for for uh, birth through three years old, uh, for for our consumers, and that involves again all kind that, that involves speech language, speech speech language therapists, occupational therapy, things as such like that. A lot of folks didn't know that. Uh, we have the Heart of Texas Substance Use Disorder Clinic that we have, uh, center that we have. Uh, a lot of people, again, this, this covers the whole gamut of so many, different, so many different things that we have. And again, we also have, and again, the uh, over at, uh, on Waco Drive, 3400 near 3400 Waco Drive, the Center for Disabilities. That is the, our IDD building. That is for Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. And again, IDD... We want to, that, that's for your population, okay? They're, again, they're at their point B. They are great right where they are. We want to have them have the best life that they can to be as productive in their, um, in, in their community as, as, they, as they can be. And the staff is one, wonderful with that. So many different programs there. Again, uh, we want to make sure the community knows what we do and does the very best we can to be able to provide the services for the consumers that we have. Gosh, just a Perfect. wide variety. Yeah. That's a lot. I like I didn't know. I half didn't realize of those. all those other I knew I knew about the Dobie Center. I knew about all these I different I knew about the centers, but I didn't know that they was like sponsored by exactly. BHN. They I mean, go r- right back yeah. to BHN. That's, that's great. Amazing. That's amazing. And I guess that just goes back to making sure that everyone is covered for. One of the things that we are committed to doing is making sure that we are growing with the growing with the need and filling the gaps that are there, and that includes not just the programs we mentioned, but also we have justice involved programs. We have a uh, our our director of justice involved programs, Linus Gilbert, is creating what we call a SIM mapping project that I believe that law enforcement has been actively involved in, the state is also involved in making sure that we have a model to where we can help the best we can right now. It's a new program to be able to intervene there. Instead of sending people into jail, they may need, they may need services for that. So we're growing that. We're building that model right now. So the justice-involved programs as well. So, so many different things and growing with it and seeking out the different funding sources that we can do for that. And one thing I haven't mentioned, and this is the jewel on top of it all, 
is it our crisis services? And this, J.D., is something where we have law enforcement actively, actively involved in conversations over, over the years. Uh, we are in the process, we are constructing a crisis hub project, and it's equidistant between the two hospitals in Waco uh, on Imperial Drive, part of our Imperial Drive uh, Health Campus. It is a $12.9 million project that is designed to be a, cent- a centralized location for all of our crisis services, which includes the Crisis Treatment Center and the Mobile Crisis Outreach Team, which is where people, when they, when they call for mental health services, crisis, or they're in crisis, uh-huh. they need something right now. It connects to our eye care partners who is able to give them the help, folks the help that they need. Right now, the... Crisis Treatment Center and, and MCOT are out of De, over at, over at DePaul. So, say, so this would be different than the Crisis yes. Treatment Center. And what it would do, it would centralize all those services and then be able to have a law enforcement component there to be able to drop drop con, drop folks there and then be able to decide at triage, mm-hmm. okay, have a medical clearance component to decide does, can that can that consumer be treated acutely or do they need something more long term? You're also going to, and it's going to be single occupancy rooms with the space, the 27,500 feet is going to give a single occupancy room. So regardless of COVID or anything that can happen like that, you're not going to have to put people there. That gives us the space to be able to do this. And also it's going to have community space for our partners that want to come in and out. For instance, Santa Cor could be one of those. Waco Family Medicine is one of our is one of our partners that will have dedicated space there. But we want to be able to have our, our community partners to be able to collaborate with us of how we can better fill the gaps for our crisis care. And your crisis care is something that is available 24-7, 365. And that's another number I want to give you right now. And that is a toll-free call if anybody, again, crisis services, Available 24 7, 365 is at 866 752 3451. If it's after hours, I believe you press four. That's for any crisis call or any after hours. We want to make sure that, that, uh, that we get folks taken care of that way. But the Crisis Hub project is um, it's been in the works for about, we, it's, it, it was a dream that started about a half decade ago. And we've had ongoing conversations with all the different community partners. Law enforcement has been involved in this. Uh, we've been we've, we we have strived to build a great relationship with Waco PD and with the um, the law enforcement in 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 the rural counties as well. Because again, you know, we serve a big area. If, if you look at it, the Heart of Texas Behavioral Health Network serves from I thirty five to I forty five. Wow. You know, and if you look at it, if you look at it, county-wise, it kind of is shaped like a heart. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The heart of Texas. Heart of Texas. The heart yeah. of Texas. <laughs> it's a, and again, this is a, um, is a, uh, it is a twelve point, it is a twelve point nine million dollar project. We anticipate uh, something within the the late first quarter, early second quarter of twenty twenty three. Now we have purchased a building. Uh, right next door to where it's being constructed at 6400 Imperial Drive, where we will be moving our administrative offices, some of our caseworkers, a lot of our, uh, and and our ECI program uh, from downtown on 4th Street over to this new facility. So a lot of exciting things. We are going to be embarking on a, uh, we are quietly right now uh, building a capital campaign to help alleviate some of the costs of the, uh, uh, of those, of those 
funds that are sure. needed for for that project. So, well, as a nonprofit, you know, yes, as a five, and we are we are a governmental entity, but we are also a five hundred one c three. So we are constructing that campaign as we speak. I can tell you that for the project, uh, we have um, we have a generous uh, generous gifts from the city of Waco. Uh, from the McLennan County Commissioner's Court, from a from private donations and private foundations, we just want, we have uh, we have uh, a lot we have quite a bit still to raise, but we have the majority of it, and we want to and we will get we will get it constructed and um, and then be able to again fill the gaps for that, mm-hmm. and what that's going to do the crisis hub. Now you think about this; it's not just the crisis services available, but think how it's going to benefit. And this is why we have law enforcement. And again, monthly talks have been going on for a long time. It used to be bi-weekly. Now we got it to where it's monthly. And again, what that's going to do is that's going to decrease the burden on law enforcement. I was just fixing to say on the I mean, wait on the yeah. wait times. Anywhere from what I understand, anywhere from four to thirty-seven hours. It dep- Like it, you, it's it's cut down drastically. But there would be times. I mean, multiple days. You know, sitting. You know, using that law enforcement personnel. You know, on sitting on the emergency detention orders and stuff like that, which taking an officer off the street, and it's just it's a heavy burden. So I mean, here in this come about is is great news i think that's a great partnership because i know it's it's a heavy call load for officers as far as like um, you know like i said earlier these these mental health calls are just becoming more and more but just having that partnership to work together to kind of you know understanding that we need the services but maybe it doesn't necessarily you know require a law enforcement officer there 24 7 to watch it you know and partnering with y'all to kind of take care of that so we can put our officers back on the street is a huge huge weight lifted and a huge weight lifted off of you and also reducing wait times in emergency departments, hospital emergency departments. Oh, yeah, because it frees up that it, exactly. time as well. And something unique that the Crisis Hub Project will be able to do, it will be able to help youth that traditionally have not been able to have those kind of crisis services and yeah. will help we will help reduce the amount of youth that have to go outside of our area to get the the crisis care that they need. So those are the major points of what the facility has been designed for. Now once again this has been uh, this has started out as a as a vision mm-hmm. and from we had the uh, a behavioral health leadership team formed to be able to do all the different research. Uh, not just here, but in other parts of the nation. What are what have they been able to do to build these kind of facilities here? And we wanted to make it reality. Uh, our executive director Daniel Thompson has been has been uh, has been first and foremost in making sure that uh, that we get this done, get it done right, have the right conversations with the right people, and being able to again fill the need. Fill the need, fill the gaps as much as we can. You know, it's not, it, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect system. I think we all know that. Yeah. But this is a way to be able to do that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's almost come to fruition. And we're really, really excited about it. And we would love for the community to be able to know about it and invest in helping make it a, re, help making it a reality. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that it, it, it wasn't necessarily... And a purposeful action to have these mental health, mental illness calls and services be an afterthought. But because of that stigma that has always been in place, it's just one of those things where, okay, now we have to kind of backtrack and figure out what this community needs. And it takes something like a crisis center like that, which I think is wonderful. Uh, Something else that we have here at the department now is our social worker. 
D'Angela Bynum, which I know, Vince, that you're familiar with her and her work. Um, do you know as far as how since she started here, how that's helped you guys? Well, one of the things, our collaborative work has been great so far. Most of the work has been done through our crisis services and mobile uh, mobile crisis outreach team. We are grateful to Waco PD for providing such support to our work. Uh, D'Angela, your, your uh, PD social worker, is advocating to bridge the communication gap between BHN and Waco PD. Mm-hmm. We know, about, we know about different languages. We speak different languages. In broadcasting, we had our own language. Yeah. Um, even in sports broadcasting, we had our own languages. Totally different. And <laughs> law enforcement has its languages. It's a matter of getting to know each other, mm-hmm. getting to, and, and being there in that non-judgmental space of being able to realize, let's do our thing. Mm-hmm. But that takes time. That takes time. That takes presence. There's... Again, I, I, I'm, I'm not familiar, because I'm not a clinician, I'm not familiar with some of the history of this, but it's been a fantastic thing to be able to bridge that communication gap, and I think we're both very committed to doing that. Right. Yeah. And I know that she's on the same floor as us, so I know that she's been working hard on just trying to, like you said, oh bridge gosh. that gap, and just trying to work together, and she has done, you know, numerous things on just kind of educating on us and working with, like, just community partners and stakeholders and stuff like that and everybody else to kind of help us understand. I mean, she has done – I mean, I can speak for that. I know she works hard up there uh, getting she stuff does. done. I was Trying to bridge that gap and helping us, you know, all – benefit. Yeah, I was up in her office. It was the Friday before Christmas Eve, so no one was here in the building. And I was just, you know, except for you, except for me, (laughs) walking around and, you know, just checking the halls or whatever and seeing who else was here. And she was in her office, uh, sitting on the floor with just papers everywhere. And I was like, are you good? <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is how this is how I get organized. I And yeah. I just could see just, she's got such dedication. And since she's been here, I know just like how you guys are trying to help free up those calls for our officers, but also make sure that these people are getting the help that they need so they're not continually just calling our officers or calling our department for help. And that's a growth process. It is. It's a huge growth process. And D'Angela has, uh, again, she's uh, been recognized as doing, uh, bridging that gap in the communications that, that can do that. So, again, it's a, it is a process, and uh, the processes ebb and flow. Uh, but we've had a lot. We, we're really encouraged by the uh, uh, getting to know you, having you get to know us. Right, right. And as far as someone coming to get help from, from Hot BHN, now, obviously, there's a multitude of different services that you guys are kind of the umbrella over. So is there at any point where someone has come too many times for services? From what my understanding, because again, I'm not a clinician here, our help is not affected by how often a consumer needs them. As a local mental health authority and the local IDD authority, being, being a governmental entity, we are regulated to have intake processes and assignment of services. It goes back to y'all saying, you know, it's okay to not be okay and kind of just helping people understand that is it's okay to reach out for help, right. you know, and, and, and get services because it, you know, we... Especially, like, we, we, we don't want those too late calls, yeah. you know? We don't, we don't want those crisis calls, although they're going to happen. The more we talk about this, though, hopefully there would be less of them because people are reaching out for that help sooner. Well, and if we can, if you can get to the, if we can get to where we, 
the populations, the different populations get to know us and get to know that we are among them. One of the things in Texans Recovering Together was is that, and again, that was the crisis counseling approach just joining us, the program that I led before I uh, was able to serve in this position was free anonymous and confidential COVID-19 mental health support. And one of the things that we stressed in that with our staff, our counseling staff, was that we're survivors along with you, okay? That would, that's what was different about that because we have, again, our, um, our, our staff that have their qualifications that, uh, that do that, uh, that, that do, do, their, do their profession. Yeah. Um, but we also let them know, yes, it is okay to be okay. We're going we're gonna to try to meet you right where you are. And then with the qualifications of being able to get, again, be able to, to care coordinate as much as we can to get them from point A to point B. Um, and again, that's on a very much of a high level type of thing. It can only help fill the gaps. And again, that's what this is about. I think, I think we're all, the common ground that we have here, we're trying to fill gaps to make a safer and more educated community. My goodness, we've talked about so much. <laughs> uh, Vince, I mean, uh, let, let's talk about volunteers. How, how does that work? I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities for volunteers or positions that are always open, you know, for, for anyone that wants to help. Yes, we do. We have, uh, we have, we have volunteer opportunities, and uh, one of the, uh, our, our volunteer and internship coordinator, LaToya Robertson, uh, she can be reached at latoya.robertson at hotbhn.org. Uh, this also includes community service volunteers. Uh, we are continuing to grow this, this program, the volunteer, volunteer base for what we have. Uh, Latoya is doing a fabulous job of that, but we do. We want to make sure the folks are, have, ex- have access to that. There is an intake process for that because, again, we are a governmental entity, which means we're high, you know, we, do have, we are highly regulated. Um, and that's a good thing because it, it means there is safety there for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's intern opportunities. Uh, there's also, again, intern opportunities. There's volunteer opportunities. We want to be accessible to the community. And, again, there's also community education opportunities we're looking to get. That's awesome. That's so great. Uh, but, but before we wrap anything up, any new programs or upcoming things besides the exciting crisis center that you want to talk about, let the community know that this is coming up in the new year. Trying to think in the new year, that's, that's, that's going to be enough. That's Uh, a big one coming up. Yeah. Um, We have, and again, we're, we're, we're consistently seeking grants and funding for new types of innovative types of programming. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish I could speak to a lot of those, but a lot of those are enhancing programs that we already have. We just had news of a, uh, a $25,000 um, award given to uh, expansion of our Chase House. Uh, being able to do, or excuse me, and also the Dobe Center is going to be getting some new things wow. in it too so that we can continue to serve the consumers that we have. Part of our strategic planning is first and foremost to enhance and preserve our core services which again are our adult behavioral health services, child and adolescent behavioral health services, our IDD population. And again, these are across the most vulnerable of populations. And all the, the, all the different things, in all the different programs in between, uh, being able to enhance and preserve that so that we can have a safer community, so that we can have people involved uh, in doing what they do. And I know you said that you are like a 501c3, so if there's someone on there, you know, you know just kind of really 
like touch their heart or something they want to give to donate to i'm guessing they can go to the website and find out ways to how to yes ma'am help towards that too you can okay. go there is a there is a form there that uh, again we are revamping a lot of these things but also it has my email on there and my cell phone okay. be happy to guide them through the process of what they do we do take those donations and once again that uh the website will be under renovation. Uh, we are looking to get uh, to make it easier for people to donate through a Venmo and PayPal. Perfect. So, awesome. um, under renovation, just like the rest of the city of Waco. So it's yes, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, isn't that great? <laughs> Gro- All at one time, a traffic cone everywhere. <laughs> exactly, Gro- growth is great. It is. It is. Yeah, it just means we're going in the right direction. We're right? going in the right direction, and you know, it's it's a journey. And let's be on this journey together. We are we're 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 learning about each other. Yes. Uh, we, as they say, nobody's perfect in this whole thing. But I think we all had the same basic mission, and that's being able to fill those gaps in the community and have our community be a safer and more educated place to live. Exactly. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better yourself. Couldn't have said it better. Sorry, yeah, sorry. that's Cut exactly. There. Well, Vince, thank you so much for joining us here on Waco PD on the Beat. Anything else you'd like to add? Last minute thoughts. I'm sure we could talk for another hour. Give me an H. H. Give me an O. O. Give me a T. T. Give me a B. B. Give me an H. H. Give me an N. N. What's it stand for? Hot BHN. There you go. <laughs> and you know we we do understand that. We'll be known as MHMR for a while, but you're going to be see all all of our different. We have new logos, we have new uh, new fonts, et cetera, That you'll be seeing that out there, and we want we want folks to be able to when they when they see our logo, when they meet me, they meet our staff. Our voices are friendly and helpful. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean you have to be smiling all the time like that. That's you know <laughs> no 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 no. Different people are very different, but yeah. friendly and helpful. Do you like what you see? Do you like what you hear? Do you like what you smell? Okay. Anybody that encounters what we have should be friendly and helpful. That's exactly. our goal. How's Perfect. That? That's good, Vince. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you guys for joining us here on this week's episode of Waco PD on the Beat. I'm Sierra Shipley, the Public Information Officer. And I'm Officer Janae Draper with the Neighborhood Engagement Team. Have a good one, Waco. Waco PD on the Beat. The heartbeat serving 